After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. I'm so happy to be here in this moment with Joseph Goldstein, and uh, we're going to have a, a chat. Or I'm going to be an avid listener to Joseph and describing this long, long-term relationship with Ramdas. And uh, Joseph, I'll, I'll, I think I've said this to you before, but uh, in terms of I met you one year after. The uh, in Bodhgaya at at the retreats with the Goenka. Uh-huh. Uh, one year after you first met Ramdas, I think is it not true at the re- at the meditation retreat, or did you meet him before that? No, in nineteen seventy at, at, at the Burmese Vihara. Yeah, yeah, yeah nineteen seventy yeah. at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and then Joseph, I met uh, one year later as we started. Other people started doing courses with Goenka and uh and what I am most grateful and I mentioned this uh, to you I think well some time ago hmm. I'm most grateful for your introduction to me uh with um, Munindra invited me over hmm. to his room and and we chatted for a while and uh, he was a very special being so yeah, again yeah, and yeah. again I thank you <laughs> for that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh maybe um just in terms of leading up to that meeting with Ramdas, maybe a little bit about uh, your own uh, journey uh, mm-hmm. that took you to the East. Yeah. Uh, well, I had been uh, as an undergraduate. I was uh, studying philosophy at Columbia, and it was just in the time when uh, the Peace Corps was being established, uh, and one of the first trainings that the Peace Corps had. Uh, was held at Barnard College, which, you know, was at that time the women's part of Columbia. Uh, And I just, I was a, I think I was a junior then in college. And I just happened to meet some of the then people training to be volunteers. Uh, And I got talking to them about the Peace Corps. And at that point, I was really anxious to get out of school and see the world. And, but I had no idea how to actually go about doing it. So the Peace Corps was just felt like this fantastic opportunity, um, you know, to do that. Uh, so I actually applied to go to East Africa. I had some some romantic notion of 
climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And I didn't know what was in my mind. I did that, uh, by the way. It's so funny oh, you say that. I went to East uh, Africa and went up Mount Kilimanjaro. Well, half of it, anyway. Well, That's you funny. did it for me then. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I never did get around to it. Uh, but as it turned out, they offered me a, you know, a place in the group going to Thailand. Uh, so I didn't really care. You know, I was just, I was just anxious to. Uh, get out and see the world. Uh, so when I finished college, I went into the Peace Corps. Uh, in I was teaching e- English in Bangkok, and I started going to some discussion groups. That uh, there was a famous temple at the Marble Temple, which was just down the street from the school where I was teaching. And there were a couple of monks. There was one Indian monk and one British monk, who were leading discussion groups for Westerners at the Marble Temple, you know, and um, so I started going, I was really interested, you know, based, uh, I'd studied philosophy and I really didn't know anything about Buddhism at the time, you know, but yeah. I, w- I was intrigued. Uh, but did, were, certain, is, is it uh, just uh, as, were psychedelics involved in your life at that, uh, up to that point? Um, just, I mean, did you get the glimpse yet. there? It was in, it was when I was in, in Bangkok, in the oh. Peace Corps. Mm. But I can't remember whether it was after I had first started going to these groups or maybe before. Mm. So I'm not, but it was in that time period. Uh, so it was kind of parallel, <laughs> parallel development. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Perfect. Uh, yeah, and so at a certain point, one of the monks, you know, just suggested I start meditating. Yeah, and it was, it was very uh, radical for me. You know, nobody I knew was meditating. It was complete, it was exotic. <laughs> you know, you know, being in the Far East, meditation, mm. Buddhism, it was all completely mm. new. And uh, But it was even even the very first time, you know, I think we've talked about this before, it was, it was revelatory in the sense of learning that there was a methodology for looking into the mind and understanding the mind. And before that, of course, I had been curious, but I had no idea that there was actually a way to do it, you know? And so even the first five minutes, it was really quite extraordinary to really? mm. just connect with that possibility. Mm. Um, and then I finished my Peace Corps training, uh, Peace Corps, you know, uh, time uh, teaching English. And at the very end of that time, uh, I had a really quite transforming experience while still in Bangkok. Somebody was reading a Tibetan text, uh, kind of a very powerful uh, Dzogchen teaching. Uh, And something happened as I was listening. There was a real opening, you know, to a whole different level uh, of understanding. You know, it was was radically transformative. It was was one of those moments. Uh, And after that, I realized that I wanted to pursue it somehow but I really didn't know what to do. It was just at the end of my Peace Corps stay, so I was about to you know, return to the States. Um, and I realized both then and then, especially when I came back to the States uh, and just living at home for a while, uh, that if I wanted to proceed, I needed a teacher. You know, I, was, I tried, when I was home, I tried to go off on retreat and practice by myself, but 
it was very confusing. You know, I was just mixing up a lot of different stuff. I was doing mantras and the breath. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, was, I didn't know what I was doing, basically. Yeah. Uh, so I realized if I want to pursue this, I need a teacher. You know, so that's when I decided to go back to Asia. Um, and some friends had been there on their way back from the Peace Corps in India and met some Tibetan teachers. So I thought, oh, I'll stop in, I'll stop in India. Um, thinking I would probably go back to Thailand. Um, but I stopped in India, went around to a whole bunch of different ashrams looking for a teacher, uh, but ended up in Bodh Gaya, uh, where I met Munindraji, my first teacher. Um, and he said something that was so straightforward and so simple, it just completely hooked me. Mm. He said, if you want to understand your mind, sit down and observe it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so there's nothing to join. There was no ritual. There was no ceremony. There was, there was nothing. It was just very straightforward. And at that time, there were very few Westerners in Bodh Gaya. This was in uh, 1967. There were maybe four, you know, four or five Westerners there. Uh, so I met a few of them, and they had been studying with Manindraji. I went to meet him, and uh, we had this interaction. And he gave me the beginning instructions for Vipassana, you know, inside practice. And it was exactly what I was looking for. Mm. I mean, I just knew immediately. Because there were no, there were no frills. <laughs> you know, if you want to understand your mind, sit down and observe it. It made so much sense to me, you know, in a, mm. in a common sense kind of way. Yeah. Um, and so that was it. You know, I spent most of the next seven years in India with coming back to the States a couple of times to make some money. Um, but it was during that time that I first met Ramdas. Mm. Yeah. Talk about that, that particular retreat where a bunch of yeah. our friends who were yeah. there, who are friends to this day. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I had already been in Belgaia practicing quite intensively for a few years already. So I was really quite deep into my practice uh, and loving it. You know, I just loved being in India, loved the whole situation in Belgaia. Were you living in the Vihara or did you? I was. You were? No, I was living right in the Vihara. Um, Munindra at times was living in the Vihara and at other times he was living in another room uh, for quite a while at the Gandhi ashram in Bodh Gaya. You know, so I would go see him there. Uh, I had not heard of Ramdas at all. You know, nothing. I, nothing. I, ha I haven't even, didn't even hear his name. You know, so we get word that Ramdas is coming with all these people. I, I had no idea who it was or what it was all about. I was just into my practice. And then all of a sudden, Ramdas and a hundred friends <laughs> descend on the Burmese Vihara to my nice, quiet uh, refuge. Yeah. Yeah. So it was quite a change <laughs> from this really quiet time to all of a sudden this big scene. Yeah. Um, and Ramdas and I connected quite early, you know, when he came. We had a, a really nice connection. Um, at one point, to accommodate all of the people who came, you know, to sit with Goenka, uh, they had built a lot of these little brick huts, very small, like six feet by seven feet, or 
And they also converted this old buffalo shed into three separate rooms. And that first year, so I was on one the end room. They put Ramdas in the middle room and then somebody else on the other side. But as you might imagine, Ramdas had a steady stream of his friends and disciples and coming to speak with him during the day. This was not during, well, it might have, I was going to say, I wasn't, I'm not sure whether it was actually during the meditation retreat or not, or before or after, but I do remember that a steady stream of people <laughs> would come and be talking to him, and I'd be trying to sit in the very next room mm-hmm. with as you can imagine, you could hear everything. Uh, so I'd be banging on the wall. I mean, yeah. <laughs> can we kind of keep it down? <laughs> that was my first, uh, my first uh, interactions oh, with cool. Ramdas. Um, but then, you know, over those weeks and months, uh, we really got quite close, and he met Manindraji. Uh, you know, so it was a really, it was a really lovely time being together. Yeah, just to connect that a little bit for everybody uh, in terms of Manindraji is uh, when I got to India and I went up and finally got up, uh, we found out the reason why these Westerners with Ramdas were there in the first place was because they couldn't find Maharaji, Nimkaroli Baba. And so some, I think Bhagavan Das actually told Ramdas, uh, oh yeah, no, there's a great... Uh, uh, insight awareness uh, Buddhist uh, meditation. You should go. It's in Bodhgaya, and so that's how that happened. So, but then after uh, Ramdas met Munindraji, he invited him to teach meditation to himself and a few other of his students in the Himalayas in, right, in right. a place called that. Kosani. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's when I got there and uh, Maharaji invited me into that scene. But I had not, I was not part of that group. I was in Southern India, actually, uh, uh, at the time of the that med- the end of 70, uh, in right. early 71. And uh, so, <laughs> I mean, this is off the subject, so to speak. But Krishna Das said to me, after Maharaji said, well, you go up and, and, and meditate with Ram Das, his meditation teacher. Uh-huh. And Krishna said, well, you can't do that. I said, why? Well, you don't know how to do Vipassana meditation. You, you never were trained. I said, I don't care. He told me to go up there. I'm going up there. And and the truth of the matter, of course, Munindra's, I think, mom got ill and he could not come. Uh-huh. And uh, and then we went up there and Ramdas did teach me the uh-huh. Anapana, uh-huh. you know, the, the very basics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of it, uh-huh. and and we started to do it uh, in a, a shed where a great great saint had been, Harikan Baba. And they told us, he, oh yeah, he used to meditate in that cow shed. And uh-huh. Ramdas, so he gave me the, the preliminary instructions. I went into the cow shed, and I, as you said, the first few minutes. I mean, I had and I had met done TM and all that stuff. Right. I'm going on about me and we're trying to get to Ramdas, but I still, it was so yeah. incredible, just more about the practice and the power of this particular practice. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, 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 an immediate absorption experience that uh-huh. uh, was um, transformative just yeah. in, in a yeah. similar way, I'm sure. Uh, and that was, so this was all, and that's why I have such honoring of, uh, of course, meeting him yeah. and being yeah. able to s- s- sit with him for a minute in or a few minutes in his room. Uh, I mean, yeah, he, he, yeah. he was yeah. special. 
He was very special. And so that's why uh, the Westerners were there with Ram Dass. And uh, that's how that denouement happened. But uh, yeah, so I guess whatever else is in that little, I mean, that was, I mean, you met uh, Sharon then. Yeah. Sharon Salzberg. No, exactly. A lot of, and Dan Goldman and Mirabai and so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was really a coming together. Uh, although at the time, I just felt it as this mob coming, <laughs> <laughs> disturbing my practice. <laughs> Little did I know that it was just the opening to uh, a lot. <laughs> mm, uh, yeah. Because um, after that time uh, in Bulgaria at the end of 70, I don't really remember whether Ramdas and I crossed paths at other times in India, possible, I don't quite remember if he had come back to Bulgaria, but I reconnected um, in a very significant way when I came back to the States in 74. Um, because at that time, I had no idea what to do. You know, I was, I, I mean, I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. Uh, I spent all these years, you know, most of seven years in India, uh, two years in the Peace Corps before that. Uh, and I remember writing to Ramdas. And the only thing that I could think of possibly doing was, well, you know, maybe I'll see if I can teach Buddhism or meditation in some college or something. I had no idea. So I wrote to Ramdas just asking him, you know, and he was kind enough to send me back, send back uh, just on a little postcard, um, disabusing me of the the idea of trying to teach in college based on his own experience in academia. Mm, He said, I don't think that's the way to go. Um, And I can't remember actually whether he had any other suggestions at the time. But I let go of that idea. And then I met up with some friends who had also been in India, um, who was going to be traveling cross country. Um, So they had a kind of van, you know, this was back, you know, in the mid 70s. So we traveled across country, um, stopping in Boulder. So 74 was the summer of the first summer of Naropa Institute. Um, so this was before the summer I stopped there. I met with Trungpa Rinpoche. Um, and he, after speaking to him about my own experience, so he invited me to come teach at Naropa. Um, but I think Jack, I'm not sure that I have all of this. I mean, this was quite a long time ago, but this is my recollection anyway. <laughs> Um, so Jack had already been enlisted to teach a course in Buddhism, you know, the first half of the summer session. Uh, and I arranged to teach something in the second half. Then I go on to the West Coast, California, uh, where Ramdas was. He was in Berkeley at the time. So when I get there, I called him. Uh, but he was on one of his silent days. <laughs> so he didn't really want to speak. He didn't speak. Um, so one day I was just walking down the streets of Berkeley 
again, not quite knowing what I was going to do. Uh, and here's where it gets a little strange. <laughs> so I need to go to the bathroom. And I go into a restaurant and say, can I use you know, the restroom? Oh, sorry, it's only for customers. <laughs> and so coming from India, I, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I didn't want to go on the street. You know? <laughs> like India. <Yeah. laughs> uh, so, okay, so I go to, you know, walk down the street, go to a second restaurant, same thing. Yeah, and so meanwhile, you know, it's getting a little more urgent. <laughs> I go into a third restaurant, there's Ramdas. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like I was being led. Yeah. So even though he was trying to avoid me <laughs> <laughs> on his silent day, uh, I showed up anyway. Oh, uh, so, great. so I met him in the restaurant. We started talking. Uh, and he invited me then to teach Vipassana as part of the big course he was teaching at Naropa on the Bhagavad Gita. So it was going to be the meditation section of that course. And were you there? Were you at Naropa that time? No, I wasn't there either. I missed those yeah. two big events. Yeah. But we yeah. have all of it on film, by the way. Uh-huh. All of it. Yeah. Including, Actually, I've seen, I've seen you've some seen of some of the, the black and yeah. white. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's quite great. Yeah. So it was quite amazing. You know, it was that first summer, it was, it was almost like a Buddhist Woodstock or a. Yeah. Not only Buddhist, because Ramdas was teaching on the Bhagavad Gita and Trungpa was teaching about Buddhism. Uh, these big classes, you know, there were probably a couple of thousand people there. Mm. Uh, and so I was teaching the meditation, you know, in maybe six six groups a day. You know, I was really I was working quite hard, but I was young, um, <laughs> which made it possible. Uh, yeah, and that was the beginning. Actually, it was it was from those sessions at Naropa, teaching in Ramdas's class, uh, that just seeded the interest in Vipassana among people all around the country, you know. And so then, Jack and I started getting invitations to teach retreats from people who had been there in those classes. Uh, so in a way, Ramdas really. Uh, he was the doorway to the whole, our whole teaching career. Mm. You know, it was really a, a very, a very important conjunction of, of circumstances. Mm. What did you, uh, in terms of the first meeting you had with him, and then maybe going into like the restaurant that you just described, you had gotten to know him, and there was obviously a yeah. rapport. Yeah. But uh, what did you get from him in terms of? Uh, the deeper part of who this human was? Well, <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you, there's another story from the time in India mm. when, so I don't know whether it was in 70 or when the first edition of Be Here Now was printed, it came, the came first, yeah, the, first, the advance came to you, yeah. It came in a came. box, yeah. The, the, the initial, yeah. it, was, it wasn't in book form, it was, it was, yeah, it was the Fimbindu to Ojas, yeah, uh-huh. that collection called. Uh, so we were there together at that time, and he just he had received, you know, the, the first printing of this. And I read Be Here Now, you know, and in that first version. And I was kind of really into my 
classical Buddhist thing. So I read this as I went up to Ram Das and I said, Ram Das, this is really confused. <laughs> <laughs> because there's, you know, there, he, he just brought in a lot, everything, of, a lot of different, everything yeah, was in there, everything. you know, mixed up together. And of course, it went on to sell two million copies and transform <laughs> the spiritual scene in America. Yeah. <laughs> other than uh, that, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> right, other than that, Ram Das is a little confused. <laughs> So, uh, those were my first conversations with him, mm. <laughs> you know, about that. But uh, kind of over the years, we had, you know, uh, a long, long relationship in many different contexts. Uh, and I really came to appreciate, of course, you know, the depth of his own commitment, you know, and spiritual path. Uh, and, you know, at that time, um, I knew very little about Maharaja, hmm. you know, I, had not, I, I didn't join the bus going up to Nanital and um, I was really committed to my practice and staying in Bodhgaya. Uh, but of course, over the years, kind of the, the blending of the satsang and the sanghas, you know, so that, that was really a beautiful, beautiful unfolding, hmm. you know, and it was really through Ramdas, of course, and, and other friends. You know, that began to just appreciate Maharaji so much. Mm. And so after Naropa, and I, I mean, what, just tell me your impressions of, of Ramdas teaching at Naropa, because, uh, I mean, we have this vast archive, obviously, yeah, yeah. and uh, those are some of, of great work, I thought. Yeah. And, and I've given yeah. it to people and they've like, you know, there's like 16 hours of, of mm -hmm. edited, or not hour, more than that. And people really, really um, connect. Yeah, yeah. The way that he did that, that was less confused, by the way. I oh, thought. yeah. <laughs> no, it was because, because he was actually teaching the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so there was, there was a kind of structured coherent teaching that he was offering uh yeah no it was beautiful uh yeah it was really beautiful yeah so you yeah those um well i thought the way that he brought in both uh, he blended the hindu buddhist thing in that in that in that yeah. uh period of time and over those yeah. teachings that to me foretold what he what he mm. was to do for the rest right. of his career a teacher yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting because, of course, he had he had that contact in India with Munindraji and Goankaji, and then teaching in Naropa, the contact with Trungpa Rinpoche. So it, it became the uh, the field for kind of the blending, you know, of the two and seeing how they support each other. Mm, yeah. In fact, for me, the, even before I went to Thailand in the Peace Corps, uh, while I was still in college, I had been taking a course in uh, Eastern philosophy. I was like a sophomore in college. I didn't know anything. You know, I had no background at all in any of this. And we were reading the Bhagavad Gita. And there was one line, even at that you know, early age, and knowing so little about Eastern philosophy, one line really stuck with me. It was amazing. Now, in looking back, what a seed it was. 
so there's one line in it that says, uh, which is actually a theme of the whole text, to act without attachment to the fruit of the action. Mm, mm, you know, yeah. Act without attachment to the results. Mm. And somehow, even at that early time, it just it resonated so deeply uh, within me. So even from then, there was a kind of interweaving, mm. you know, of the te- of the teachings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, after Naropa, what was your the next kind of well? Uh, Ramdas actually sat uh, one or two retreats that Jack and I and Sharon taught. Uh, one here in Great Barrington, Mass. Uh, that's right. That's the one I remember. I don't know whether he sat another one as well uh, with us. Uh, so that was beautiful. You know, well, so he was just. Yeah, no, no. Just to say, uh, I remember, and he said it. And he said it in public. He said it many times. That he always referred to you as a his meditation teacher, uh-huh. always, yeah. <laughs> and it's and it started at the yeah. And I guess that's what mid late seventies or something, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, about probably seventy five or so. Mm. Um, and then when we we started IMS, we opened IMS uh, in seventy six, and in the first few years, I can't remember exactly when, but Ramdas actually came and lived for a while at IMS. Uh, yeah, and he was he was giving some teachings here at IMS. Um, yeah, so our, our, um, our connection just grew and grew stronger. And then uh, over the years, we were part of uh, a group of friends that would meet together uh, maybe a couple of times a year just for free, free-floating discussions. Uh, you know, so there was that ongoing, uh, ongoing connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and just uh, what's your what's your take, sort of, on his? Because you, you you've seen him evolve over many many years, from the point at which you met him in India, mm-hmm. through the Naropa, through him attending some of the meditation retreats and now living mm-hmm. with you, which would be late seventies, early eighties, I would say yeah. something like that. Yeah. What's your take on his involvement as uh, not just as a spiritual teacher, but um, I mean, to me and to me, to all of us, the most important thing is not becoming, I think, what does Jack say? This is a great meditator. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's becoming a kinder person and, and yeah, so on. Yeah. Yeah, what's your take on on his his personal involvement as well as yeah. teacher, for that matter? Well, uh, I mean, I, I see it, uh, you know, certain big stages, mm. you know, of of evolution. Um, and again, I so I was not one who was in like continual contact with him. You know, even we had this very close connection. Um, and our paths would interweave, you know, from time to time. Um, so after those those early years, you know, when he was at IMS, and uh, it was really inspiring to just see kind of the work he engaged with, 
you know, working with prisoners, working with the dying, just kind of that social engagement in in a really powerful way. You know, he, he was right there in the trenches with it. Uh, and so that was really beautiful just to see that. You know, uh, it's like Jack and Sharon and I really... Uh, our arena was meditation retreats. You know, and so that's that was really our arena of work. Ramdas just had very big arenas, you know, touching a lot of different aspects uh, and addressing different aspects of suffering. You know, mm. and so mm. to see that, and in fact, one of the books, the early books he did uh, with Paul Gorman, yeah, you how, know, can help, how can I help? How can I help? Uh, and I, think we may have spoken to this you know over the years for me just that title mm. i i use that a lot I, yeah. as an as as a expression of compassionate action because it's so down to earth you know it's not highfalutin whatever it's how can i help yeah so i love it you know as as a way of awakening that possibility in myself and others. So it's almost, for me, it's almost become like a mantra of compassion. You know, instead of Om Mani Padme Hum, how can I help? Mm. Uh, and, and it's such a powerful seed for moving through the world, you know, where, where that's kind of a reference point. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. So all of that was was really inspiring. And then this is, you know, jumping over many years, but as we all know, you know, uh, kind of the immense impact of the stroke, you know, of just physically and uh, his ability in terms of uh, speech, you know, it, took a long time just after the spoke the stroke was very limited you know when we come go to visit him uh it was really a huge struggle to to speak but it's just totally amazing to me you know and it took as you know it, it took a while but to see the effect of the stroke on his persona uh it's like whatever uh, whatever edges there were in his personality, and of course we all have edges, you know. So he could be judgmental, <laughs> you know, and I could see him. Uh, and it's kind of interesting in in the Buddhist framework in terms of personality template. So just as a quick review, you know, the, there's the greedy type and the aversive type and the deluded type, predominantly. But each one of those has a positive side. So the positive side of the aversive side, which I think was Ram Dass's, I think that was his... Uh, his, his personality, how he fit into this schema. But the, the positive side of it is um, great discernment. Mm, you know, because really? it, 
if people with that quality of mind, they can see clearly what's right, what's wrong. And on the less developed side, it becomes judgmental. But on the more developed side, it's just discernment. You know, mm. it's the wisdom side. Uh, and, and so to see that evolve over the years of it going from the more aversive, judgmental personality expression to discernment and then as we all know in the years after his stroke the whole that whole side of him seemed to fall away you know and what was left was just this an incredibly loving spirit housed in a body that was in such suffering you know so it was extraordinary I just feel it was an extraordinary evolution, you know, over all those years, uh, culminating in just the most beautiful expression, you know, of understanding. Mm. Um, yeah, so, so it was quite, quite an evolutionary journey, as it is really for all of us. Um, but with Ramdas, it was quite dramatic. Yeah, stark technical. Yeah, <laughs> Both. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh boy, yeah. I yeah. mean, we all said the way you've put it so eloquently. Uh, we might have said, or we do say. I know Krishnas and I talk about it. Uh, before the stroke, Ramdas was pointing to who he might become after he became it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And which is yeah. kind of basically uh, yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, though, uh, what you said before in terms of the his manifestation related to his teaching uh, around compassionate action, mm. uh, yeah, I, I'm struck by that. I don't mm. know if, if you have any other anecdotes uh, around that, but that is just uh, uh, so apt in terms of his influence. Oh, yeah. More Huge. than anything... Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it was just—it was just striking to me in how many different arenas he manifested it. You know, and I mean, some in terms of whole fields of activity, like with prisoners or with death and dying work, um, but also. Have, have seen him over and over again responding to endless streams of people, each with their own individual stories and problems and suffering. And uh, and he was just quite amazing in his capacity, you know, to hold that and relate to it for hours and hours and hours, you know, at a time. Uh but he really had that hot connection with people. Uh, that was quite amazing. Yeah. 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 And his impulse to be present with people mm -hmm. yeah. was yeah. extremely strong, no matter yeah. what he might have been going through or not, or yeah. not up to it. Sort of, you know, we all have an excuse for not paying attention yeah, to one yeah. another. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that was the first thing when I first met him in person. That was the first thing. Oh my mm -hmm. God, someone's totally paying attention here yeah, to me. Exactly. You know? Yeah, 
And that was such a huge thing and engendered yeah. such trust. And uh, I mean, so we talk about compassion action. I think we also have to talk about trust, how the way in which people so easily yeah. Were, yeah, yeah. were just trusted what he was about, what he said. And that didn't yeah. mean that he was always right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know. But well, he was honest. Is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, we did. Uh, yeah. Well, we met somebody who was right on. Well, and yeah. You they're, have, they're, they're rare. Yeah, they're rare. Very rare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? Um, yeah. I mean, I remember. So you hadn't seen him in some time. Remember how I used to bug you every year? You got to come to one of these retreats yeah, yeah, and yeah, finally. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, before yeah. that, before that actually happened, uh, you you came just to spend time with him. And yeah, yeah. and I, I remember, actually, we have, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but this beautiful, you know, we we filmed you and he in, in right, yeah, the living yeah. room there. You remember that? That's yeah, a I lovely, lovely conversation. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'll, now that I'm thinking of it, we'll, we'll have to make it available uh, to yeah. people. Uh, but... Uh, Actually, something yeah. struck me just as you're, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're reminding me of. Uh, so at the end of the conversation, if you remember, uh, I don't know, somebody suggested, you know, that I should lead a meditation to close. And I felt that I really wanted Ramdas to, to lead it, you know, and it was so beautiful, you know. If I had done it, it would have been kind of this very kind of classical Buddhist, straightforward, whatever. But Ramdas, as he led it, it was just so beautiful because it was just kind of this spontaneous meditation from the heart. Mm. You know, uh, so it was just another beauty. It reflected the very beautiful heart space he was in at that time, even though this was toward the end of his life, really. Uh, but it, it just came out in such a beautiful way. Mm, yeah. So, well, and one of the things that I really appreciated about my relationship with him, uh, so there's a Yiddish word which <laughs> will express it. Uh, we had a great time kibitzing with mm, one another. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Joyful just, play. Yeah, joyful play about, which was really fun I, because we could both get into it. <laughs> so we yeah. like to kibitz with one another. Uh, so th that was quite a fun part of our relationship. Yeah, how about on stage whenever he'd, uh, he'd be on stage, like I, I think I was with the two of you moderating whatever I was doing, uh -huh. but he, he would start to talk about soul. As soon as he'd say the word, he'd look over at Joseph. Exactly. <laughs> at you. Uh, what did yeah. you think in those moments? You know, no, I mean, no, it was play. It was, yeah, all, it was all play. I, yeah, yeah, and, and it was fun. You know, that that was really a quite a quite a delightful part of our relationship. Mm, yeah. And when uh, when that uh, particularly, I mean, the retreat that you did come to later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know that was just extraordinarily beautiful. The the yeah. whole the whole family's there because uh, yeah, yeah. for those of you who don't know, Jack and Sharon were there as well. That's that's a thing. I'm glad we have that all down on film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that yeah was it was a beautiful something. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But the the thing you did just with him and, and we called it the puja puja side chat instead of fireside. In other words, in front of his puja table, his uh, altar. Uh, yeah, yeah. That 
because you had not seen each other in in quite some right, a number of years. Yeah. I, I yeah. remember yeah. Uh, that. Uh, talk about delightful. I, I mean, I don't mm. know what other moments you can remember, but th- there was one where he was talking about somehow about Maharaji and saying, "Yeah, you know, we're going to ask him to take care of this, that, or the other." And you said something like, "Yeah, well, what about me?" Yeah, what about me? Something like that. It was so, and just that moment, uh, yeah, Joseph. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we did, we did uh, uh, have have that kind of exchange a couple of times, even even after that Maui retreat that I went to and then spent some time with him, you know, at his house. Yeah, uh, I kind of. I kind of asked him to put in a plug for me with his Maharaji. Yeah, that's you know, yes. as long as as long as he had this chant, this direct channel, you yeah. know, and I really didn't. I just, I said, okay, you know, mm. it, it was great. Yeah, was isn't, great. isn't all that so interesting though? And in, in terms of us, the tradition that we are in, yeah, yeah. people would go so and opposite of of uh, Theravadan Buddhist tradition. Not that you are in, narrow yeah. in that at all, yeah, yeah. at all, yeah. at all, at all. Neither of the three of you are. Uh, yeah. But still, and we'd have that fun on stage and Ram Dass would yeah. have so much fun around soul and uh, yeah, yeah. no soul. <laughs> yeah. um, but the fact that uh, this, this blending happened, mm-hmm. That you are such a big part of with Ramdas and yeah, Jack yeah. and Sharon and and ultimately to to all of us. Uh, I mean, how we even got. I mean, obviously Ramdas was led there mm-hmm. superficially by Bhagavan Das, right? Right. But even after that, I mean, it's like someone said, uh, Maharaji sent all these people to do vipassana courses. Well, he didn't send anybody. You know right. what he did? He'd look at. Uh, he looked at me once and went. Are you going in English? He'd say in Hindi, to course, Jada? You're going to the course? And I go, the course? <laughs> of course, Ramdas. <laughs> so we would go to the course, a yeah, lot yeah. of us, though, over yeah, the years. Yeah. And so yeah. that got really integrated into yeah. part of our practice for yeah. many, many people. A good percentage yeah. Uh, yeah. actually went, you know, and there wasn't that many Westerners over those years. There was a couple of hundred yeah. who, who were actually, you know, with Neem Karoli Baba at the time. But yeah. the way in which it blended together and which leads to, uh, to me, the most important thing that I'd love for you to comment in, in relation to Ram Dass, uh, the last number of years where he started uh, talking and teaching loving awareness, mm-hmm. and what and when that first—I mean, now it's it's because I know Jack is using it in and Sharon—they're using it in their uh, teaching. Actually, right. yeah, I mean, not that we're not—they're not using loving kind meta, of course, right. of course. But yeah, what th- that kind of for me it brings it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, everything we're talking about, but uh, what uh, for you? How did how does that uh, how did that whole thing hit you when you started understanding what Ramdas was teaching? Uh, loving awareness, uh, kind of. Uh, uh, there are two different levels of it. Hmm. Uh, so one level is the understanding that. Uh, 
kind of love and awareness are really not two different things, you know. And Deepama, our, our you know, our great teacher from yeah. uh, Calcutta, who is, uh, you know, as you and probably many know, just this extraordinary, extraordinary yogi. I mean, just yogini, you know, yogini, you know, highly enlightened and, and with all the powers and everything, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and somebody once asked her whether they should be practicing loving-kindness or Vipassana or insight. And her reply was, to her, there's no difference. Mm -hmm. She said, when you're practicing mindfulness, aren't you also loving? And when you're loving, aren't you also being mindful? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for her, it was just the same thing. So on one level, that, that phrase really encapsulates the union of the two. On another level, I, I uh, this is kind of my explicitly Buddhist side, <laughs> uh, and uh, although it probably has parallels, you know, across traditions, um, but what I think is a piece that sometimes may be overlooked in that teaching of loving awareness is the importance of emphasize or emphasizing the importance of not being identified with it Mm. because unless that's emphasized it could become a holdout of self you know kind of the last well in even if it's not articulated in the mind but you know, conceptually, but there could be this sense of, yes, I am this loving awareness. So I see that as a, uh, there's just a caution there. And I think it's important to bring into it kind of that aspect of, yes, that is the beautiful union of those two aspects. And also the essential importance of not being identified with, not creating a sense of self in that. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the piece that I also like to to bring in, you yeah. know, to that description. I'll tell you a story. This is uh-huh. so interesting. Uh, so uh, it was at a Maui retreat. It was myself and Ramdas and Krishna Das, and Ramdas was starting to do talk about I am loving awareness I am loving awareness and I don't know why he looked at Krishnas or something and who was kind of sitting there you know Krishnas can be <laughs> and Ramdas says huh <laughs> what what Krishnas said you know I don't know I only know Ram Ram he says <laughs> and and Ramdas is like after all these years you suddenly <laughs> Something like that. And he said, yeah, well, see, what's catching me is the I am. Right. He yeah. actually just said, he said right. what you just said. Right, right. And then Ramdas said, right, okay, uh-huh. loving awareness, right, loving right, awareness, right. I right, am right. gone. And <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Talking yeah. about you're tuned in. <laughs> To, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he would have appreciated it, yeah. and he did yeah. appreciate it. With, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well, before we, because we're 
taken mm-hmm. up a lot of your time. Um, but if you have any kind of little anecdote that is about the human side of Ramdas in your experience, in your all of the times you've been with him. Um, Just trying to scan back over yeah, a lifetime. See, the, the computer yeah. was. I mean, a lot of the particular incidents people that he people that he mentioned. Um, it's not so much an anecdote, but just I think what, in some way, what, what was at the heart of our relationship and the heart of. The relationships of the blending of the two sanghas, you know, uh, um, the satsang and and the vipassana sangha. Um, what's interesting is that, you know, sometimes people talk about, you know, later in life, talk about the friends they met in college, or you know, and how they still. For me, and I think for many of us, it was the friendships we made in India that have lasted over all these years. That's where just this very significant bonding took place. And so, as you know, you know, it's like for so many of us, these friendships have lasted even when we don't see one another, you know, even for long periods of time. When we're together, it's like, We've always been together, you know. Uh, and I think what characterizes that, and Ramdas was very much at the center of this, was just this basically the ongoing and deep commitment to just exploring the nature of suffering and freedom, you know, and how that is just been at the heart of all the various and many things each of us have done, you know, in our lives. But that's what, I think that's what the common, uh, the common ground is, you know, and it was definitely that way with Ramdas, you know, for me personally, and I, I think everybody else, it just, that was at the center of it all, mm-hmm. you know, how do we respond to the suffering and how can we be free? Uh, and that's, what's just, you know, been been the mainstay, you know, for so many of us over all these years. Um, and I think Ramdas just embodied that so so fully. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Ah, thank you, thank you. Thanks, yeah. Joseph. Really appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure. This, yeah, it's yeah. fun kind of yeah. going right. down memory lane a bit. <laughs> yeah, a little. Well, you know, that's been happening just because he left. Not, you know, it's not even a year yeah. yet. And uh, we're still going through all sorts of stuff around it in terms of, Mm -hmm. um, well, as he used to say, I I think I quote this uh, more than anything, Mm. and he said so many things and, and had such complexity as we've discussed. But the reality he used to say is, we as humans can live on more than one plane of consciousness at the same time. Yes. Yeah. And I, to me, that is so integrally important to yeah. be able to to live a, a, any kind of life in balance with that in mind. 
absolutely. Yeah. So especially uh, in these times. Especially in these times. <laughs> where, where there's so much yeah. happening. Yeah. But but for me in relation to Ramdas being you know day to day with him for so long. Yeah. yeah. Uh and then suddenly poof. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so much is involved with work and um, work and love and mm-hmm. and satsang and there's so many. It's quite complex. So keeping those two planes or more than one plane going yeah, at the yeah. same time, there's yeah, more than yeah. two. Uh, yeah. Is um, sometimes it has been tricky, and mm-hmm. other times self-evidently um, glorious. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Yeah. It's been so no, I think that I think really, in some way, that is the challenge of how to be engaged in the world and at the same time seeing the emptiness of it all. Yeah. You know, and so the blending of those two that that, that they can't be separated. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You know, and so that I think that's that's kind of the beauty of our practice. Yeah, yeah, and Ramdas's commitment to compassion in action is, is oh, a, yeah, yeah, that's a banner that we can all absolutely, all, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you again, thanks, Joseph, and uh, you're very we, welcome. It's fun. Well, yeah, we we needed. Uh, I mean, my son earlier this year we did a podcast with my son Noah, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean that was such a a turning point for him. So, uh-huh. uh, and uh-huh. it's a, a little injection. Joseph injection from time to time is a very good thing, yes. <laughs> thank you, Great. thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're very welcome.